Okay, so this is going to be our session zero where we make characters for what we are tentatively calling Carrots and Suffering 2. It will have a subtitle, probably, but this will be a podcasted Dungeons and Dragons game. Yay! Different players for Carrots and Suffering 2 than Carrots and Suffering 1. New voices to introduce you to. So, on here with me is Robert. Hi, uh, I'm Robert, and, and I'm here. <laughs> also here with me is Claire. Hi, I'm Claire, and I'm ready to kill kobolds. And a voice you should recognize, Mandy. Hi, I'm here. Back. I'm back. For session zero, my goal today is just to understand like what characters you want to bring, how those characters know each other, and then what kind of personal character story do you want to tell? Because I will create that kind of story for you. Let's start with Mandy, because I think I've seen a lot about the character you want to play. Sorry, I, I went down a rabbit hole before we even get started. I tried not to like get too too into it because I like to leave things a little open-ended, but I just got so excited. So <laughs> Cool. Let's have it. What do you got? I have created so far a drow grave domain death cleric in the pantheon in this world. She is a cleric of the Silent Judge, and her name is Bulane Kualema. And she was originally from the Underdark city of Myloria. So she is she is originally from Myloria, although she did not primarily grow, grow up there. She is, at the start of the campaign, about 300 years old. So she's not a spring chicken, but she's also not terribly old. She's probably on the young side of middle age. When she was about 40 years old, which is very young for an elf, she was still a child, there was a mining accident and the death toll was so high that the magistrate in Myloria sent for a bunch of death clerics to come and help deal with the body count. And she ran away as a stowaway with the death circus when they left again. So, And they didn't find her until they were very far away. And so they wound up adopting her and they took her back to Astrogar and they raised her and trained her and that is why she is a death cleric so at the start of our campaign you are going to be looking for some essentially some mercenary work if you will um so what brought your character to this adventuring lifestyle she was, for a long time after finishing her training, she was itinerant. She was a traveling mortician. So she tended to go around to different cities and places and function as a mortician. About the, when the thorns went up in Fenrir, she tightened her radius because the death toll was a lot higher <laughs> in that region. And eventually she kind of settled down a little bit in Turtle Bay. And she's been living in Turtle Bay for about 80 years and someone has turned up to ask some uncomfortable questions out of her past and might be looking for her. And so she is taking off again to get away from that. So a theme I am hearing here is a little bit of uh, running from your past. Let's jump over to Robert because Claire has food in her mouth. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Robert, what are you thinking, my friend? It's a lovely question. So I'm, I was... I guess I'm between three concepts. A man after my own heart. And one just one just came <laughs> up too, because I I was kind of playing another game, but that game died, and I'm like, well. And you and you like the character, right? <laughs> I, I like the concept. The original concept that I had was uh, a monk, the the monk with astral body. I don't remember what it is. The extra arms. Yeah, seeking enlightenment. I had all the details in my head 
I have a book. Actually, I've written some of these thoughts down. Let me see what I've written down here. Oh yeah, no, that's that's terrible. My my notes are are just what I said already. Okay. That's okay. Cool. Great. Great. <laughs> I, I had found somewhere where he fits into the, the pantheons, but I have, I don't remember. I thought there was a um, a group that believed, like, everyone could be gods or something close to that. There is a, a heresy, actually. Hmm. There's a conservative faction of the church that is trying to sort of keep the original practices alive. And there's a heresy that is sort of spun up. And if, you, if you're discovered to be a member of this heresy, you lose all your church roles, right? You, you get fired. But basically, the, the way it goes is this first prophet that pulled together this pantheon formed this church, perhaps also became a god themselves upon their death, and that this is possible for others to do as well. The star. The star. Okay. So that was, that was one concept. Uh, the other was the good paladin who's just stupid and hyper-focused on justice, but doesn't really know what's going on with it. It's just like, is this justice? Great. Let's do it. Kind of a, a town guard paladin who's indoctrinated into the, the, probably the sisters of truth, mostly, uh, definitely seems like a, the promise type of character um mm-hmm. very orthodox very stupid but very charismatic so even though he doesn't really have a plan people go along with him and then listening to mandy's character reminded me the lawful evil paladin with a hyper focus again on on law like just is this the law or is this not the law is also a character i i would enjoy I don't think I've ever played with a lawful evil paladin. Just Nate's very sweet, dumb, charismatic, lawful <laughs> good one. <laughs> I did a I did a one shot where I was an Oathbreaker paladin, and it was awesome. Like I <laughs> I love the concept. I was thinking more Blackguard than Oathbreaker, but I don't know mm-hmm. like what what's potential, right? I haven't looked at mm-hmm. those those options that are actually uh, available in the in the five E stuff. I just did a very quick. I like the monk concept because it ties into the hooks that I've offered pretty pretty directly. Better into the world. Okay. But the lawful evil paladin, intriguingly, would be interesting if your character was also basically a lawyer, like a church lawyer. <laughs> okay. Like I would that would that has a lot of potential as well. And what if he's secretly double dealing with one of the heresies or something like that? Like that would be that would be juicy twisty stuff. <laughs> It, it doesn't have to be a paladin. Like paladin was definitely the first thought. It, it's the one that like fits most most closely with the law idea. But any class, especially if I'm going to be a lawyer, that might even be more uh, cleric or or spellcaster. Knowledge history and knowledge religion would be pretty important for that. Yeah, lawyer. And, I mean, um, if you have it, knowledge law too, right? Well, and I think for this society, which is a theocracy, mm. the two skills are pretty interchangeable. Okay. Which gives you a lot of options. I'm sorry, Robert. Was that was being a lawyer part of your concept, or is that is that like Nate's? No, say? we're workshopping. Okay, okay. <laughs> I I will mention that my character is going to be a warlock, and so I'm not sure how martial, Mandy, you're planning on your character being, but mine is going to definitely be caster. I'm not planning on doing okay. uh, the pact of the pact of the blade, I think, or anything. So I will be a regular old caster. So if we don't have any martial stuff, just for 
combat interestingness that might not be a bad way to go whether it's monk or paladin or whatever i could i could also play the um judge jury executioner type of paladin like type of like lawful evil which would that's gonna go well <laughs> <laughs> which which would definitely lean itself to like knowing the law mm -hmm. to being like hey did you do this <laughs> well this is why you shouldn't do that here's the penalty we're gonna enact that now <laughs> Let's table Robert's concepts for a second because we have two of them right now, right? Which is this self-enlightenment path and this darkened lawyer martial class. And jump over to Claire. Claire, what are you what are you thinking? My character is Creedon, although I, I haven't decided on a last name, and also Creedon is not her given name. That's just the name that she chose because she is a bit of an angsty rebel against her family. I, I took an old concept from a campaign that only played like two sessions and then fizzled out as they do and I always liked her and wanted to play her just the idea of like this teenage grumpy angsty goth warlock although I have uh, after speaking with Nate some I know that the last session or the last campaign was oops all teens so I'm thinking actually she's going to be 20 like she's past her teen phase but kind of is refusing to grow up she it was raised in the Church of Divine Mercy, the aka the Church of Love. Got or one of her mothers is like a bishop or archbishop. I don't know how we're doing church hierarchy in this, but would be essentially like we'll call her a bishop. Yeah, some kind of you know reasonable higher up within the Church of Divine Mercy. So she was you know raised within this church. You know she she did, has always wanted to please her family and get the power associated with being a, a member of the church and being. A, being able to cast spells and all of that but she just kind of didn't have the talent for it and of course her younger brother does <laughs> and so eventually when trying to figure out kind of a, a way to get around things and is a bit of an act of rebellion as uh, she found a a tome that had a uh, an entity within it that offered to grant her power in exchange for fighting for the forces of love and it seemed like a good idea <laughs> yeah she thinks it's really lame but she also really wants power. She doesn't really know what she wants to do with the power, and I'm not really sure where exactly her alignment is going to fall. I, she's not evil, but I also don't know if she's going to be good. She just kind of, like, she she does want to find power, and I guess one of, you know, the things that I would like for her arc is her trying to figure out, well, what does that mean for her, and what should she use that for? But basically, she has a celestial patron, and she is something happened recently within the church. So she she got her powers. She was doing really well within the church. Something happened that she probably won't talk about. She's basically been shipped out to I forget where it is that our campaign is starting, but shipped out to that area. You're basically on the frontier. Yeah, the influence of her mother in the church that is the bishop was kind of able to, you know, instead of totally getting her booted, was able to just kind of have her hidden away over there. But also her family is super supportive and like love her so much. And she thinks, again, that they're all super awful and lame and wants nothing to do with them. <laughs> that comfortable, she likes the comfortable life that comes with being involved with the church. She doesn't want to have to work that hard. And I also like the idea of, you know, she kind of doesn't believe in love. She thinks it's cheesy and everything. But in terms of a, a journey for her, I would... Because I am, a, as a player, I'm a person that very much believes in the power of love. And I would like her to maybe not necessarily find love, but at least find the, the value in love. If not, finding actual love. So that is, you know, okay. something that I would like to do with her character. 
But basically, whenever she Eldritch Blasts, it's going to look like a Care Bear heart beam. Because that's how her <laughs> magic manifests. So she's like, she's very goth, but has like her tome is going to be like flowery and pink and covered in hearts and her magic is very flowery. <laughs> what, what, what is the term? Is it Lolita goth? Is that, is that, am I? Oh, pastel I, goth? Pastel There's also goth. gothic Lolita. Totally yeah. different. Okay, okay. I don't know. I, I don't know whether we, we, we were she just not goth. pastel goth. We were just because... goth in high school. There was no like subcategory they hadn't branched we, we hadn't branched into, off okay. into all the yeah, uh, gotcha. other things yet so i don't know what the kids are calling it right now <laughs> we didn't know what a goth was where i was raised so she's regular goth she like wears all of the black and everything like I, i'm debating just giving her spider climb as a spell just because she wants to be creepy with it <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but then i was also like shooting heart beams at people Okay, so we've got the we've got sort of a power of love theme coming through here. Um, journey of self exploration and growing up. Robert, now we have a morose death cleric. I don't know if she's morose. She's just if you are, Creedon is going to think you're so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she is like she might be a little bit austere. Uh, like she she is covered head to toe in her robes and she has slate gray skin and stark white hair and... oh my god Graydon's gonna think you're so fucking cool <laughs> i mean she's 300 years old so she's sort of got this life experience thing that that humans don't have but i don't think she's like a stuffy a stuffy or bummed out elf particularly i mean she's just okay you're a mortician. She's you're a mor- just a mortician. She is a mortician, and, you know, people have some stigma about that trade, so she's a little bit solitary, maybe, but... Okay, okay. <laughs> I wish my mom's morticians. <laughs> Why couldn't my mom be something cool like a mortician? <laughs> we have a... And then we have an angsty goth with flower powers. <laughs> Which means your monk-seeking enlightenment might balance this out a little bit. Your lawful evil lawyer concept may solidify this, so uh, you get to be kind of the the deciding. Are we balanced or brooding? The, the the monk's journey to enlightenment seems like a good analogy or parallel path to the to the the journey of love that Claire was talking about. There's an optimistic angle we mm. can take, and there's a pessimistic angle we can take. <laughs> as a party. And I think the lawful <laughs> evil lawyer okay. might bring out the more pessimistic angles of our mortician and goth, whereas the enlightened monk might bring out the more um, the more positive character paths. Okay. What what is now I have to ask the question then, what is carrots and suffering about? Well <laughs> is it about carrots and suffering? <laughs> or, or, or are we I looking will, more for more I will carrots? Add like I... plenty of suffering. Um, <laughs> you don't have to help with that. That'll happen. But car- carrots and suffering is a a role play first experience. I think is is the main sure. thing. My vision is usually to offer more of a sandbox than a typical podcast that does D anD. d so it's more sure. player driven. Now our last game was Dark Fairy Tale and I think it it got it stayed pretty dark most of the way through but it had a happy ending. Spoilers happy ending I guess. Um <laughs> I'm only on episode 2. It's fine. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, it's Welcome to the mid-roll. For mid-rolls this season, we are doing D&D tips because they remain our most popular thing that we do. So there you go. 
This mid-roll is on the session zero, or as we call them in podcast land, episode zero, because we're producing a serial series. Since I have the microphone, I guess you're getting my personal philosophy on this one. Don't only listen to me, but here's my take on it. When I was first introduced to this concept of a game session where you don't play the game, I hated it. I felt like we were doing a meeting to prepare for a meeting, and at the time, my gaming style was all about leveling and maximizing mechanics, and what are we doing if we're not getting experience points? But after a few decades of D&D and other role-playing games, I absolutely require a session zero for every game that has any staying power. Why? Because the number one thing that breaks a game is a shared understanding of what we're doing together, or a lack of a shared understanding. You might think it's the DM, but I, I think it's actually everybody. There are games where my younger self just isn't going to have a good time. Just as there are games where my current self, which is all about like character motivations, isn't going to have a good time. In some ways, we're all writing a book together, and if one person is about paranormal romance and someone else is going to tell a comedic science fiction fantasy story, we eventually will be in trouble. Maybe not in the first session, but over the course of a two-year campaign, this is going to build up some tension. There's an online meme that perfectly summarizes this. It's one panel from a comic strip where Batman meets the Ninja Turtles. Batman says something like, This is the place where my parents were murdered. And the Ninja Turtle says, Cowabummer, man. It's a perfect panel because it tells us everything. These two characters do not belong together and should never have met. Their paths must diverge. One fights for pizza with ninjas, and the other styles their entire existence off a quest for revenge. Maybe 1960s Batman, who was all campy and fun, could have hung out with the Ninja Turtles, but not dark emo Batman. No, we have to split them out again. Everybody needs, absolutely needs, to have a conversation about what they want to accomplish in a game and adjust their concepts into some kind of single vision so we're all writing this book to have a similar ending. It also gives me an opportunity as the DM to describe how I'm going to run the show. So, everybody loves a railroad. Follow me on this because you're going to immediately disagree, but everybody loves a railroad when you tell them it's a railroad and you're completely transparent. If I start a game and I say, this is a Western, there will be six sessions. You will fight on a train. You will fight on a horse. A shootout at high noon. Trouble at the old mine. Someone's going to get falsely accused of murder. There'll be a scene with dynamite that blows up eventually. Don't try to avoid these things. It is the story. Make a cowboy. Show up. Have a blast. Everybody will love it. But if you don't tell them it's coming, everyone will hate it. From the DM perspective, this is a game of expectations management. You have to set some expectations and you have to keep them consistent. When I DM, I'm not going to give you one plotline to follow. I'm going to give you 15, and you have to choose. You have to make a person who cares enough to choose their own path, but isn't so rigid that they can't negotiate that path with their fellow players. Another benefit here of Session Zero, the players will then help you as a player tell the story you're after, because now they know. They know what you're after. And they're going to try to fit themselves into that story. Session Zero is all about a shared goal. If you want a campaign to go the distance, you got some work to do up front. Everyone has to do that work, not just the DM. And that's why you always need a Session Zero. 
So it, we can go any direction with this one, honestly. Group, group any, thoughts. Uh, thoughts from Claire or Mandy? I know that Creedon will definitely be influenced by her party members because she kind of is trying to find her place and is, you know, looking for things. I, I can, I already know that I'm going to imprint on Mandy's character and, <laughs> and think you're the coolest. Aw, shucks. That was easy. <laughs> I, I do like the idea of, like, having positive influences for the direction that I want Creedon to go because I, I don't know, I like positive stories even though I also love, like, grim dark stuff but also in terms of you know podcasting the things that people like to listen to especially with the last couple of years that we've had and you know what we're living in right now maybe some positivity is like kind of nice <laughs> so i don't know That's like I, the podcast that i like to listen to like they have emotional moments and like hard-hitting things but they like they're they're happy in the end personally a little more interested in the dark paladin lawyer I mean, but it's it's hard to say because like once you get going in a game, like things change in ways you never expect. But uh, but it's just from the face value, like I, I find the dark paladin lawyer idea to be a little more interesting. Having a dark tone set for the group doesn't mean the podcast isn't going to be funny <laughs> or necessarily even happy. You know, it could be an ends justify the means sort of deal. I don't. I'm not worried about setting a dark tone making the whole podcast a dark experience for everybody listeners and players and dm alike i, I think i think we're probably gonna be we're probably a light-hearted enough crew of players to keep the mood balanced yeah i was gonna say it just it's just sort of quickly snaps into focus like it comes with a personality whereas monk seeking enlightenment i think gives you a, an open field to paint with so I was actually just just thinking maybe a small marriage of the concepts, like a, a person who is lawful evil and focused on law to the to the detriment of everything else, which is why evil is the side doesn't necessarily have to be a dark or brooding person in general. They can be happy-go-lucky. They can be very gregarious, and when someone breaks the law, they can flip and just be like, "That is, I think that we have a cool. problem now." <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So maybe a bit Jekyll and Hyde, Ooh. where in general, he's a gregarious, fun-loving, raucous individual. But when wrong has been done, mm -hmm. that's gone. You've got your work persona and your weekend persona. <laughs> like everything's fine. Everything's <laughs> exactly. fine until somebody fucks up and then everything, everything's different. Yeah. Yeah. And that it's, what does the law say we do? We're doing that. I don't care how it hurts you. I don't care what the consequences are. We're doing that. Okay. I, I, I like that idea. I think that could be uh, that could be a lot of fun to yeah. for you to explore and to for us to interact with. <laughs> All right. I think Paladin fits that pretty well, honestly, too. I love Paladins. Okay. I agree. I, I want you to be a don't, Paladin. It's a don't poke the bear thing, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. You stay on the right side of the law, you stay on my good side. Exactly. Otherwise, you made me do this. <laughs> and the, the direction that my spells go are also going to be very like morally questionable because I think like being a, a warrior of love, I'm going to be like trying to manipulate people or like control their minds to get to that end. So, you know, those all work pretty well together. Plus, she's young mm -hmm. as fuck, so she's probably... Yeah. And I've never been in love, so my idea of what love is is skewed <laughs> and I, I imagine she's probably a little bit on the rambunctious impulsive side with her with the rebellious oh, sure. nature so um Bulane is 
lawful neutral. Uh, she, she is really neither good nor evil because whether you're good or evil, you're going to die. <laughs> so uh, she's she's definitely got that even keeled uh, morality. She is very keen on following the rules of her church, of, of the death church. You know, she, is, she stands on a lot of ceremony when it comes to the dead and how to treat the dead and how to prepare the dead and attitudes towards the dead and also attitudes towards the undead. Well, I'm chaotic. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Neutral or good or evil? I feel like I'm somewhere between neutral and good. Like, I feel like given her upbringing, she's probably actually leaning towards good, but also is like... She doesn't really know what neutral is. Yeah, and like, I think she's going to occasionally do bad things, but I don't know. I I think that might be something that like once we start playing, I might settle on where her alignment is on that spectrum, but I've thought about it a lot and like, I think it, I feel like I'll know what she'll do in situations when I get to them, but I don't know where that's... So the last thing we need to talk about and decide in this episode zero, how did your characters meet? You will be a unit, essentially a a little mercenary band of just the three of you who are being hired at the start of this. And you'll get to name your little mercenary band and fill out paperwork. It's going to be very exciting. The church is a very bureaucratic place. But how did you meet? So we knew each other before this started then. It doesn't have to be long before this, but it does have to be at least 10 minutes before this. Which which town are we starting in and what goes on there? You're starting in a very small town. You're on the southern border, essentially the Northern Empire, against what is now called Old Fenrir, which is essentially a territory that has been devastated by some sort of magical environmental crisis. It is in constant need of repair and upkeep and law and order, and nothing seems to be working. So you are essentially on the frontier hanging out just outside of a 80-year, 90-year environmental disaster. And this small town, which is really kind of like a farming community, used to be a stop in the trade route between the two kingdoms, has a, a couple of church officials who coordinate this governance of this old Fenrir place south of town. And you're going to be meeting with them at the beginning of our campaign. I know I'm definitely from the city. Would Would Astrogar be like... Like the place for all of the branches of the church? Yes. Kind of? Okay, um, then I'm probably from Astrogar. It's the capital. Astrogar is the capital. Yeah. It's okay. got everything. Yeah. It's... That, that's where I'm from. Yeah. You're a New York City kid. <laughs> oh, yeah. The the feeling for Astrogar I was going for is like height of the Renaissance in Florence. Like, Well, I can think of a good reason for, for Boulain to be showing up in this town once she left Turtle Bay. She was going to try to pick up her itinerant business again. This sounds like a very promising place to get her sea legs back for that because there's probably a lot of death to deal with there. So she may have gone there to pick things up again. I mean, I know that I'm in Finrear because I was essentially like shipped out by my mom in the church and i think that she's trying to ruin my life of course but she's like actually basically helping spare me from probably somebody like robert's character uh so but i don't get that well Um, you know they they kind of set you up as a hallmark movie christmas movie thing (laughs) sent you from the big city to the little town that you hate and then you're gonna have a change of heart (laughs) oh for sure um Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm a hallmark movie waiting to happen um so like i i might have met some of you 
beforehand. I don't know if, Robert, maybe your character is also in the city and, like, my mom maybe knew you from the church or something and, like, had you go with me or, or something. I, I don't know. But that that's why I'm there. So we could have all just met there. Sure. If, you're, if your mother is a, is a high... Did you say bishop? If your mother's someone who can command others in the church to go places, that makes sense if you think your mother would send you away. I was thinking that the thing that, that ties us all is death, right? As a, as a lawyer or a, a lawful agent of, of the whatever court system there is, processing people's death from a legal standpoint would definitely be part of my job to hand over to, to Mandy's character. And then you would be there just watching gothically. I, I wonder if she would just be drawn to the, the morgue. <laughs> like, oh, that light sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> One of the story threads that comes into my mind as we're discussing it was maybe I'm on my way to Tuscan. That's the name of the town. I just looked it up to preside over a death to, to, you know, go to this backwater town to do whatever judicial duties are necessary there for whatever reason. And maybe for one reason or another, you tag along. Maybe it's that you're sent along with me. Maybe it's that you're like, I want to see death. Let's go. Yeah, probably I was just sent along and we ended up traveling together because I, I was going to get shipped out here anyway. Like, I, I was basically put under this Sir Grimble Tangle beard. I was basically, like, shipped to have to work under him in, in his thing that he's doing. I'm reminding myself, like, be, be one of his adventurers to work in all Fenrir. Fenrir. So probably I was just traveling that direction with you if you're also, if you mm. were an Astrogar and, like, you know, my mother knew that I would be safe traveling with yeah. you. What if you were, like, kind of a probation officer chaperone for her. Sure. Like, what, what sure. if they sent you both? Yeah, I like that too. Like, deliberately. Like, you're supposed to keep an eye on her, or... <laughs> exactly. I yeah. like that. Um, I, I both probably think you're pretty cool, like, being an enforcer, but also I'm like, ugh, my babysitter. <laughs> so, I think what that means is, Robert, your character starts with the knowledge that Claire's character, her divine power does not come from the gods that are sanctioned in the pantheon and by the church. And so she's on the outs, like she's on her last warning kind of situation. Someone has essentially given her probation and sent her along with you to do work on the frontier. To as a point of redemption? I think that's the idea. Okay. This is your last chance, young lady. <laughs> and I think just to kind of get me out of there while things die down. <laughs> for, for sure. Uh, I just, I need a reason not to immediately object to mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. something that's clearly unnatural or most likely unlawful. But what if her mother told you, like, let her work through this phase? Like, we know yeah, the yeah, phase. Yeah, yeah. She's just rebelling. She needs to experience it. the world. <laughs> yeah. Well, so... Is what I'm doing actually unlawful, or is it just real frown fun? It is unlawful in the sense that all government officials, all, all government authority in this theocracy is derived from the church. As long as you continue to be a warlock, you have lost your ability to hold down any good job. 
<laughs> that adventurers is not a good job. <laughs> it's a freelance. It's a bad it's job. It's a freelance job. <laughs> I was I was imagining handing her a sword and be like, use this. <laughs> <laughs> and technically, I am still working towards the desires of yeah. Divine Mercy's Church. Mm. I am, you know, trying. You're you're just you're just doing mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. outside the legal you've, box. You've come to yeah. it in a in an indirect way that would normally get a person cast out of the church. But the bishop, I think, has personally, in her divine authority, asked Robert's character to oversee your second chance. Make sure I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say that it was phrased in such a way that basically says. It don't harm her, right? Like, and it, like, like it was like something that's like, be sure she doesn't get harmed or no harm comes to her. So that even if later down the line, she's like, look at me, I stole this loaf of bread. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't be like, <laughs> okay, <with> her hands. <laughs> done. Yeah, yeah. Because I have a, a directive that supersedes that. I sure hope I won't have to steal any bread. That would be terrible. <laughs> well, I, it's just a yeah, random no, Aladdin-based example. You're the only example. one who gets to steal the bread because he won't do anything about it. <laughs> go, go look at the nice architecture on that building while I get us some food. <laughs> <laughs> and and if if you need to do that for a quick scene, <laughs> I I understand. I get it. There were there were times when I when I played a similar character type where I'd just be like, I'm going to stay here while you go into the den of outlaws <laughs> and to try and parlay. Just call, just yell if you need plausible me. deniability. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure that my characters like heard about your like enforcement, but I'm pretty sure that I probably don't take you too seriously until I actually like when we're playing, I see you flip the switch and do your thing, and then I'm gonna be like, oh. Oh, he's oh scary. no! He's scary. He's quite scary. <laughs> I think we haven't seen that much blood before. You two arrive in Tuscan and realize you need a third person. And the reason you need a third person is because what Tanglebeard has in mind is there's a bunch of jobs that are a little too sensitive for like high-ranking paladins. Frankly, they might screw it up, and so they're sending people who. Um, aren't as tied to the government to try to resolve these muddy issues. And they hire groups in threes. And so you meet the local mortician who needs a job. I also probably would have tried to sneak out and go hang out at the morgue at some point. If I met Mandy's character, I would never want to leave. (laughs) It would be be interesting the day she takes you in and starts showing you around the whole mortician (laughs) business. How goth are you? (laughs) I met this cool person, and we have to take her with us. (laughs) Well, I I wonder, I mean, are you... So are we nixing the whole he's there to catalog the dead or... Because because that would that would give him and and my character kind of a connection because they'd right. be dealing around the same business. I think when you arrive, you can you can be doing that, and then it becomes abundantly clear that what the local church really needs from you is help resolving complaints, essentially from the frontier. You'll give me a cue to make that clear. I think it's pre-game one, although we can do a little vignette to get it started. Okay, got it. I would love to meet Mandy's character in like. In podcasts, just because I think that that could be a great meeting. We could also do some. We could also do some like 
throwback vignettes to at the start of some adventures. Okay, we're going to leave it there. There was a little bit more conversation, but I think that's that's pretty much the best parts. Onward to our first episode, which will be published very soon. Can you dig it? This is going to be great, folks. It's definitely going to be different than our last campaign, but that's not a bad thing. So onward we go. Onward we go.